This is Kamkunji, a podcast series by Errant Praxis. Welcome to Kamukunji. The title of today's episode is On Curating as Critical Practice, Playing with Institutions. My guest today is Paula Nascimento. Paula is an architect and curator. She's co-founder of Beyond Entropy Africa, a research-based collective network operating in the fields of architecture, urbanism, visual arts, and geopolitics. She's also a founding member of Coletivo Pés Descalços, a Luanda-based multidisciplinary collective developing projects in the cultural field. Welcome, Paula. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Patti. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> Thank you. I know you have a very busy schedule, so I really appreciate it. My first question to you, or as an introduction to this episode, I would like to emphasize your role as an independent curator and your work which straddles a variety of institutional and physical geographies. You collaborate with a range of established institutions in the art world and architecture world also, and let me emphasize the Western world, but also with emergent independent platforms and new configurations of platforms on the African continent. That's the conversation I would like to focus on your work in straddling all these different institutions. But to start with, I would like to ask you to speak a little bit about your work, your studies, how you transitioned or how you transitioned back and forth between architecture and uh, curating, curating architecture and curating contemporary art. Yeah, that's, a, that's a, good, a good way to start. As you know, I studied architecture at the AA in London. Having had time and the privilege of time as a student to look out for different schools of architecture, I actually felt a track in sort of late 90s, let's say, because of their mixed program. I guess that was 1998. What attracted me to the AA was actually the fact that it was at the time an unconventional architectural school and we had the freedom to explore and to engage with a range of not just theoretical approaches but also practice and artistic approaches into an environment that was really prone to experimentation. So in that sense, I guess that school kind of shaped a little bit my approach to practicing architecture and also to curatorial studies in the sense that much later on, when I began to collaborate with Stefano for the Beyond Entropy Africa platform, the idea was actually to explore issues related to architecture, to urbanism, to geopolitics and to visual arts, but without being sort of bounded or stuck to a specific language or to a specific way of working. And in that sense, the platform Beyond the Entropy became also an experimentation for us to think about specific issues and to practice in a sort of expanded field. And I guess that really shaped what my practice is today. I do collaborate with different institutions, with different platforms, but I also work very much in between disciplines. 
But yeah, I guess I don't know if that makes much sense. But it's it's as vague as as, as it is specific. This definition, I think. Absolutely, I think that uh, our disciplines, architecture, we're beginning to, to think, or we have been thinking of how to break those very specific and very bounded definitions of what the discipline, what it means, and the languages that are used to to describe our practices, and especially traveling conceptual boundaries. Also, I think it's very important. So it's, it completely makes sense that uh, your exposure to the AA and to the experimentation in the field of architecture even though it is an architectural program, that it has that pedagogy of breaking the boundaries of what it means to practice or to study architecture is, is what, what allows us to have this questioning and these conversations about the language that we use. So it makes sense, and, and I could definitely see the connection of where you studied with your practice today. Could you speak a bit about your approaches as you negotiate your practice with different types of institutions, uh, in this sense, emphasizing the institutions themselves, because they come with a particular set of framework of what they are, their legacies, what they want to be, or even new platforms that are more anti-institutions or trying to, to break down those barriers of institutionalized thinking. So perhaps now you could speak a little bit about your strategies of um, direct engagement with these different platforms, the very established art or art institutions mm -hmm. or architecture, to those that you initiate yourself with your collectives and your practice, mm -hmm. and to those that are up and coming within the African continent. Yeah, that's, I think that that's a very interesting thing because it brings to limelight the question of what is an institution today. And I think that from a very sort of practical experience, when I started Beyond Entropy Africa with Stefan, and it really started in a very informal way as a research cluster, as a study group at university, and then moving forward to this sort of model of network-based, we, we always described it to a certain extent as as being almost an anti-institution, as being a virus that needs to adapt and shape itself to work with specific formal institutions. And that kind of, I mean, that, that very sort of playful attitude that we, we designed to, you know, shape the way that Beyond Entropy operated, in a way gave us two things which I think that are crucial, is a possibility of understanding how formal, certain formal spaces work, and, and political spaces as well as opposed to a much free and direct way of working that we have when we're sort of outside of these of this major spheres. So, for example, when we started Projects of Venice, and to think of, you know, what would be the, a good way to put Angola back on the map of, you know, the International Biennial Circuit, this project, although starting with the Beyond Entropy as a research, let's do a research project and so on, forced us then to act almost as negotiators with the political sphere, simply because we needed the political backup to do that. And really the language that we use and the way in the methodology and even the narrative that we use in, in the red action then suddenly uh, has to be turned into... I, I wouldn't say we don't ch we, that we had to change, but we have to sort of learn how to talk and to negotiate with people that are 
outside of this uh, of the artistic sphere that have other concerns that have concerns about money, about politics, about communication, about d- direct impact. And, and I guess that, that the, the fact that um, I've been working, uh, especially had that experience at Beyond Entropy, really also facilitated my my then engagement and movement in another sphere. Having said that, I also work as a consultant for more sort of formal political projects, such as the Angolan participations at the International Expos, and, and working with a commission that is, again, a very formal institution that has a very strict way of communicating, really trained me. I mean, I use that experience more as a training ground, as well as having the chance, obviously, to, to, to influence certain projects, but to kind of understand the bureaucracy and how politicians think and the mechanisms that, you know, you could use, how you can devise mechanisms to convince people that specific approaches or specific solutions would be better than, than the others. But it really, it's almost like getting into, you know, out of planet Earth and then landing on Mars. It's It's... Very, very different toward uh, these institutions. But I, I feel that it's quite important that we, as individuals, also learn to adapt and to, to negotiate. Because one important aspect that very often we miss when we create our own platforms and when we work ag- outside of the formal sphere is then how we, should, how we can maintain those platforms sustainable. You know, beyond entropy... Is a research network dependent on external funding. So how do we get to the people that should, you know, be putting money on these platforms? It's a question. So we have to really learn that to talk, to negotiate, to explain projects at a level that is not the experimental, is not the conceptual, but it's a very practical level. I think that this example really sets a very important ground and then also, you know, brings about other questions. But I think that that, that experience between Beyond Entropy and working with, with Angolan Committee for Expos, for example, then also trained me for the other developing and co-developing in one. But I guess that what today I find also relevant is, you know, what makes an institution really? Is, is That's the question. And, and how we can maintain our platforms going on. Uh, we have been having this conversation a lot with colleagues from the continent, particularly, where we almost reached the point that maybe, you know, this podcast or this conversation is already like, contributing to an institution building, even if it's outside the formal knowledge of how we are used to understand. But obviously, the fact that we live also in a fast communication age with, I mean, all, all those are actually shaped new ways of work. I actually believe that the formal institution will slow down and the sort of more direct approaches to, to making and to creative act on the environment, whether it is an architect, as an artist, or in, you know, as an inventor. So you mentioned a few things that I thought was interesting that you, the title actually of this episode is playing with institutions and you mentioned playing as a strategy and you also mentioned kind of the medical metaphor of a virus, right? Because there is this element of obviously entering the body or the bodies or the institutions or entering the ways of thinking about something and then changing it somehow from inside out. I like that as as an interesting strategy and an acknowledgement of a, a potential way of 
of operating with all the complexities of, of negotiation with institutions, you are correct. We have to negotiate. It's hard at times because we are not on equal playing fields. And the whole reason for this errant praxis experimentation is a failed negotiation that happened. Perhaps it could, you know, one can get better at it and, and do better. But as you mentioned, sustainability of these initiatives, especially for us on the African continent, we still have the formula of receiving funding or being invited by institutions outside this uh, southern geographies, let's call them, that have a different capacity of funding than, let's say, a lot of our own institutions in, in our countries. So that's a very important point, and I, that's why I wanted to talk to you about your particular practice, because I do know that you negotiate and engage with very, very different institutions, and that it is something that has to be learned, that needs to be learned. And I'm glad that you mentioned that, because even in this process of questioning and subverting and changing the ways that certain institutions have been operating, have been excluding, we also need to negotiate with them. One of the, another conversation I had within this podcast series was with a curator within the MoMA, Sean Anderson, and it was interesting because he's unlike you, who is more of a floater, an independent, let's say, and a consultant, he is embedded inside an institution. And it was interesting, I wanted to provoke him also questioning how does one work within <laughs> institutions and institutions <laughs> like the MoMA that have done incredible work throughout its history, but also have burdens of, of its historical legacies of exclusion. And it was interesting because uh, he was saying that other platforms, it's not, a, it's not a kind of a clear cut line between inside an institution and outside an institution. There are gray zones, there are mediators, there are other initiatives that begin to, to bridge between those who want radical change quickly and need it, and the institutions that are more established, more solid, longer in temporal, in their temporal impacts. So it, it's, it's quite interesting, this negotiation, this fact that this line is not so clear, but it is a, a zone of operating. Yes, I, uh, I agree with you. But I also think that there is also in some cases a big difference. Some other big institutions that are collaborated in the West, they operate within specific formula. There is a history of, from time to time, innovation coming from these from this spaces. In the continent, specifically talking about my, my context in Angola, we are living in a moment when I think that independent practitioners realize their power and are doing things. But still, there is a complete disconnect between even the sphere or the older institutions and what is actually happening on a daily basis. So, in a way, I identify and feel this difference whether when I'm working in France or in England. It's, it's much easier to find a way around, even though we're very often in positions unbalanced, not just privilege, but also uh, power. But that conversation happens in a much more fluid way than it would happen locally, for example. And, and that's something that we experience on a daily basis. 
we very often locally have also to kind of form a public for what we're doing, to form audience, to teach potential partners about other ways of operating in the world. Very interesting that you mentioned the public because that is definitely uh, an interesting discussion. There is agency in the public or you have to build the agency of the public. So it's not only yes. about the curator as this you know, mm -hmm. all-encompassing figure and the institution as this all-encompassing organization, but that there is agency to be had in the public, the public that uh, the work mm -hmm. that is produced engages with, and the public that also is demanding, uh, be it of the institutions or of the curators, a different kind of discussion or a different or more inclusion, let's say. And we are experiencing this in the art world, especially with the art institutions where the public has risen up to demand certain things. So, and you speak about how the articulation with these institutions, sometimes it is more fluid in other countries in the West, as you mentioned, than in our own countries that are still boggled down in their own bureaucratic uh, legacies and uh, instilling a lot of need for decolonizing. And also, I completely identify with, oh, you, sure. with these ideas of creating a public that is necessarily, that we need to also, in our context, create a public by bringing to the public certain questions, certain works, certain discussions in the art world and in the architecture world to create a public that can engage in this kind of discussion is very important in our context because we are also in our education system still boggled down by certain pedagogies and certain languages of architecture. I mean, I could speak for the universities here and I'm not so sure about Angola, but perhaps a lot of them still uh, have inherited curriculums which do not allow for the language of questioning or critical thinking or even um, engagement in these discussions. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but this is something that I've noticed, at least in my context. You're totally right. You're totally right. I think that it, speaking, I can only speak of Angola and slash Luanda. I, I'm very sort of rooted in Luanda, and certainly that's, that's a reality as well. I think that what we've also, what I've been experiencing now is that as well as, as you say, you know, we have to provide tools for the public to create agency is, it's almost like an interesting interchange in certain aspects because very often from where we least expect happens outside of, you know, formal schools, outside of formal training and with the emergence of, of, of these independent spaces. And, and that's why I, I keep thinking, you know, what, what is independence today? Or what are these really, what are institutions? Because we, we are, in a way, uh, a lot of us, these collectives, doing the work that institutions should have done. It's almost like a, a new type of institution building. We tend to create certain categories, public, institution, curator, which I... I don't necessarily believe that, you know, each one of those entities uh, are a fixed entity at all. And the public is not a, p a passive public and mm -hmm. does have a voice even mm -hmm. within context where this discussion still is not as um, outward. But I do, I do believe that it is in those 
in those mm-hmm. collaborations that straddle all of these categories, especially straddling categories, because the public could also be a curator. The curator is also a public, and so on and so forth. So, so it's acknowledging that yeah. even though I pose the question in those terms, it's just to provoke more than it is an acknowledgement <laughs> of them as fixed as fixed categories, because that's what we're questioning here. We are questioning these kind of fixed categories that still operate in relationships of power, and we, you mentioned that, and we acknowledge that, but that, that there is the fluidity and there is moments of negotiation. There are moments of negotiation and engagement and, and uh, collaboration, which is very important. Yes, I actually believe that one way to break the, the rigidity and the very hierarchy through the motion and freedom that we have in the independent world the, the freedom and dignity that we have in independent practice is what allows us to, to really, in specific moment, not change, but even break that rigidity of the formal, the, the way really to, to learn and to, to be able to engage with, with all these different um, platforms, with formal institutions, with, with governments and is really by doing it. And I think that we have the advantage on the independent field of doing things and getting it wrong and you learn by practice. But more important than learning to negotiate with them is also the possibility of cross-collaboration. And I think that uh, locally we've had uh, in the last number of years a growing number of independent modes of practice of action in whether it's architecture research innovation uh, different collectives the fact that we are also with technology now able to collaborate to talk more to go beyond the fact that mobility within the continent is difficult and to be able to collaborate and talk with you with people in Mindelo we can talk with Lagos in Senegal and so on that really builds up, I think, that a, a network of, of strengths, of possibilities, of, of polyphonies that allows us individually to grow and also to, 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 to generate interesting projects. My final consideration will be that as well as engaging with the complexities of, of navigating the gray zones between politicians, financiers and, and other collaborators is how we amongst ourselves, the smaller groups, the, the ephemeral platforms can continue to, to evolve and to share experiences really towards sustainability and towards doing projects of all sorts. Thank you, Paula. Thank you. I liked the networks of uh, strength because this is where we're trying to build and then networks of polyphonies, I think that applies not only in language that is spoken in communication, but also in our uh, respective fields. So thank you very much for your insightful commentary to my provocations and I'm sure we'll have an opportunity for us to develop this network of strength and to continue our very exciting discussions. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. The pleasure was all mine. I hope so that we can continue. <laughs>